The following program is produced by Sage Advertising and Marketing. The views and opinions of the host and guests are not necessarily those of this station. Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. Nevada Real Estate Radio has helped thousands of listeners make the right decisions when buying homes or refinancing. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio. This is Peter Padilla, your host. I'm very pleased to be with you today on a nice Wednesday afternoon. Summertime is coming up fast, and we are enjoying the great outdoors in northern Nevada. Many people are enjoying the great outdoors by driving around, looking for new homes, maybe moving up to a larger home, or making that first step into home ownership as a first-time home owner. You do that by getting yourself set up the right way and making sure that you have the right contacts and connections so that you don't go off on the wrong tangent and regret your purchases like many people did during and shortly after the mortgage meltdown. No, no. Today, the pros are all over it, and we are with them, too, helping you make great decisions in real estate and more. With us in the studio today, I've got three guests, and we have a lot of great topics to talk about. First of all, Michelle Holbert is with us. Michelle, what's our big topic for today when it comes to mortgages and home loans? I would like to offer advice on how to set yourself up to purchase a home and get your offer accepted. So the the preparation that needs to happen ahead of time. It's like going into a boxing match without training. Bad, bad decision. Bad decision. You're going to help people get tuned up, get ready to go. So when they go into that home buying purchase, they're going to make it. Got to get them fit, right? (laughs) All right. We're going to continue to talk about that and more later in the show. Also with us today, Sherry Hill. Sherry is the CEO from Sage International. You're also the wealth protection diva. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here as well. It's been a little bit since you came to visit. Talk to us a little bit about what we're going to be chatting with from your perspective on our radio show. Well, I think it's important that people understand the Nevada Commerce Tax, which is going to affect every business owner, real estate investor, sole proprietor and independent contractor in the state. Two out of three sounds good. Nevada, I like. (laughs) Commerce, I like. But that tax piece at the end, eek. I'm not so very, uh, not a big fan of that, Sherry, but maybe you can tell us later in the show how that's going to benefit the citizens of Nevada and what kind of uh, opportunities it's going to pose for the businesses and challenges for the business as well. So glad you're with us. We're going to talk about that and more later on the show. Our third guest in the studio is Scott Kelly. Scott is with the Governor's Office of Energy. He's also a candidate for Washoe County School Board. Welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much. It's great to be here. I mean, to talk about energy, education, politics, that's quite the trio. I think we'll have a great discussion today. I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I have LinkedIn connections, and I see you out there all the time. You're always doing things to get attention. I love the way that you do your marketing because you use your face. You let people know what you look like. And today, we're going to let people know what you have on your mind because they're going to listen to a great radio show about real estate, mortgage, Scott Kelly, the Nevada Governor's Office of Energy, and the Washoe County School Board candidacy that you're looking to fill. We're going to have that and more later, but we have to take a quick break. Hang on. We'll be right back. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. 
If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. It's a great day to tune in because you're going to get great information from our guests about how to purchase a home, how to be concerned or be aware of what's happening in the educational business. And if you're a business owner or you want to start a business, the commerce tax has been the big discussion over the course of the last two years, really, and more. It's changed names, but it's really been something that has kind of eaten at many of us who are business owners or business managers, and we have to deal with one more layer of government and taxes. Is it all good? Is it all bad? Well, there's probably a little bit of both. We're going to find out today with our experts in the studio. Sherry Hill is with us. Sherry is the president and CEO of Sage International. 23 years in business, Sherry. Is that right? That's correct. Celebrating a birthday this month Very nice. Sage. Yes. Very nice. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that you're an author. You wrote a fantastic book. It's called Incorporate and Get Rich. Fantastic. And that book, after how many years have you written that book now? Well, it's in its seventh edition, so I've written it seven times. (laughs) (laughs) Still a bestseller. It's a bestseller. (laughs) People buy it, and it's really amazing the wealth of information and knowledge that is there. And even though there have been seven updates, it is interesting that many of the the, uh, basics – they hold true today like they did 20-some-odd years ago. Absolutely. Starting a business and growing a business and being successful in business are timeless if you follow the right procedures and get it set up correctly from the beginning mm-hmm. and then work with a team like I provide that really helps you accelerate your learning curve so you don't make all those stupid mistakes that mainly cost you to go out of business. One of the things that I've learned from your book and just from being in business for many years myself is that you have to have a similar goal to every other business, and that is to make a profit. Making money, that's kind of a, a no-brainer, isn't it? Absolutely. Some people, I think, go into business and they don't, they don't realize that's that's one of the most important parts. Well, they confuse cash flow with profit. Uh-huh. And so a huge part of the education is the financial literacy that comes with, I always say, if, if you are not good in your personal finances, when you start a business, doesn't automatically make you brilliant when it comes to your business finances. So there's some education that has to happen. With us in the studio today is Michelle Holbert. And now Michelle is helping people purchase homes. Some of the people that are buying homes, they're first-time home buyers. Maybe they're moving up to bigger homes. But some of them are, well, they're investors. They're buying their first investment property, maybe adding another piece of property to their stable of rentals. And that's kind of a moving target as well, Michelle. That's like going into business for many people. You're looking at a lot of the same documents, in fact, that somebody would look at if they were given advice on how to start a business. Owning a home, it's got a lot of details. Some of the things that they have to be aware of, a new home buyer, are, for instance, what else? My goal is to get people in a position to be looked at by the seller of a property with the utmost confidence that Mm -hmm. if I accept this offer, that I know these people have a very high chance of closing. And as the market becomes more competitive, that becomes a little more challenging. We want to put our clients in a position where they have been completely approved, not just Mm pre-qualified, not just, you know, yeah, we think you can do this. We want to have put our clients through underwriting. If they're using any type of down payment assistance program, make sure that we've vetted the guidelines for that program so our approval would be dual in that case. 
we've gone so far as to even suggest that our clients provide their evidence of down payment in addition to the approval letter. Provide a letter of why they want to purchase this home because you have to stand out in today's market, especially if you're buying in a price range that is under 400000 It's very competitive and you're competing against investors, you're competing against cash buyers, you're competing against other buyers, you're competing against California buyers. Your competition is everybody right now. So you've got to put yourself out there and that's our job is to make you look good. (laughs) It's so funny as you're talking about what it takes to buy a home. It sounds to me kind of like if somebody's looking to adopt a home, you know, when you're like adopting a child, they want to know all your background, they want to know where you've been, yeah. where you work, what you've been doing. It is kind of like home adoption, isn't it? You know, some clients <laughs> do find it intrusive, Peter, but I think once you explain to a person that, look, we're lending you a large sum of money, mm-hmm. and in many cases with very little contribution from your part. That being said, we need to make sure that there's a possibility that you can pay this back. So we're vetting the ability to pay back and the willingness to pay back. Uh So many times I have clients that maybe don't have a lot of credit history or none, and they find it hard to believe that, well, geez, you know, my brother just bought a house. Why can't I? Well, Mm -hmm. you have to show that you have paid somebody back something in your lifetime. So it may just be that we have to work with these people from day one and build a credit profile. Mm -hmm. We will do that. Let me ask a few questions that are pretty basic, but uh, I know that home buyers sometimes, they kind of tend to sometimes even avoid the obvious. But when you're looking to buy a home, if you are a um, W-2 employee, is it important to have a full-time job, a 40-hour-a-week job? Is that something that somebody should have in place before they come to see you, or can they have a couple of odd jobs, a part-time job or so? Well, it depends on the longevity. Somebody that has, let's say, two part-time jobs, as long as they've had those two part-time jobs for two years, Mm -hmm. that's usually okay. If somebody's salaried, we will use the actual salary that they earn. If Mm -hmm. they're an hourly employee, we take an average of their income, typically over the last year or two, depending on the type of loan we're doing. But you have to have that history of work a couple of years, right, is what's important. It is, and and let me just, let me go a little further with that. If you're self-employed, because I just had this happen recently where a self-employed borrower all of a sudden wanted to up his income Mm -hmm. by 50,000 per year so he would look better on paper to qualify for a loan. My conversation back to him was, well, you can't do that because I have to use an average of your income. And if I look at your previous tax return, it doesn't show that you had enough profit in Mm. your business tax return to absorb a $50,000 pay increase. Mm -hmm. So that's how we vet a self-employed borrower. Mm. I know that there's a lot more complications when you're talking about a self-employed borrower. Very much so. Uh, Let's talk about funds. There are borrowers I know, like many people across the country, they have credit card debt. But they might, I think the average credit card debt most people have is somewhere around four or $5,000 per person. If somebody has credit debt like that on their credit card, but they also have cash, is it typically better to pay off the credit card with the cash that you have and then just deal with the fact that you have less money? Or are you better off to leave things alone or are you really better off to talk to you first before you do anything? <laughs> Absolutely, talk to me. <laughs> I will say it depends on the borrower. Rarely, unless it is absolutely imperative to the approval, do I recommend that a buyer pay off revolving debt Mm -hmm. unless I can't get them approved otherwise. Because I'd rather see a client have reserves in the bank, Mm -hmm. maybe two or three months payment reserves, than 
pay off a $2,000 credit card. Uh-huh. I just think that's a more important use of that money is to have something to fall back on mm-hmm. in the event of a, an emergency. You mm-hmm. can always come up with 25 bucks to pay the monthly payment. Mm-hmm. You can't always come up with the money to pay the mortgage payment in the event something happens. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Well, education is the last thing I want to touch on there, during this segment. I, mean, I remember when I was in the real estate business myself a lifetime ago, people would always talk about how they wanted to move to a great school district or the school district was really important to me and or you know they were just they wanted to move to a different area because they didn't like the school district they were. Are you still hearing those kinds of things in your business when people talk about their selections of homes or where they're looking for homes? Absolutely. If families or individuals have children mm-hmm. that are school age, that is always a hot topic with them and that will drive their choices in neighborhoods mm-hmm. is the school district. We're talking with Michelle Hulbert. She's a mortgage loan originator at Caliber Home Loans. Michelle, if anybody wants to reach out to you after the show and they can't hang on to listen to the rest of our great conversation, what is the best way to reach you? The best number for me is 775 775- Seven four two three five five nine. All right, and we're going to continue our conversation, Michelle, about home buying and things that people should do to get lined up for the process of getting a mortgage, looking for assistance programs, all of the different intricacies. But education, yes, that's a big key, and it's a great segue into our next guest that we're going to be chatting with. Scott Kelly is with us. Scott is with the Governor's Office of Energy. He's also a candidate for the Washoe County School District. I'm anxious to hear about that, and I know you are too, Sherry. We will be back with more on Nevada Real Estate Radio after this message. Deal with one of the top realtors in Northern Nevada. Diane Heaton, Certified Residential Specialist at REMAX Realty Affiliates in Reno, Nevada. Call 775-750-2409. Many times, closing a real estate deal fast is the key to getting the great deal done. At Socotra Capital, we help you get the money fast. This is Dave Washburn, Vice President of Loans and Investments at Socotra Capital. We are a hard money lender for real estate transactions that need to close fast, way before banks or institutional financing can complete the deal. We're ready to talk to you about closing your transaction quickly, and we can get you the money fast. Visit www.socotracapitalnevada.com or call 775-420-4990 for a personal appointment. Thank you. Socotra Capital Nevada is located at 298 Kingsbury Grade, Suite 1G, State Line, Nevada, 89449. David Washburn's NMLS agent number 51269, NMLS 331429, MLD 4075, Company NMLS number 114225. Socotra Capital, Nevada, Incorporated. It's going to be a hot one today. The neighbors are getting their swimming pool ready. Let's go to Pool Supply Outlet. Everything in the store is super low priced. We need diving rings and some pool toys so I can be king of the pool. Pool Supply Outlet also has robotic pool cleaners. So we can spend more time enjoying the pool. And your koi pond. Yes, they're right next door to Oasis Pond Maintenance and Supply. Pool Supply Outlet, 881 Glendale Avenue in Sparks. PoolSupplyOutletReno.com. You're tuned in to 1060 AM Radio, KFOI, the Lotus Broadcast Station in Northern Nevada. Whew, it is getting hot in Northern Nevada. Just recently topped 100 degrees. When it's that hot, well, you've got to get away from that sunshine, unless you're a lizard. I'm not a lizard, so i got to look for shade wherever I can. Many times people find that their homes doesn't provide enough shade because of all that sun coming in those windows. The heat, the glare, it really makes it uncomfortable. 
I recommend that you talk to the good folks at SunTech Solar Screening. Daryl Carr and his team do a fantastic job helping you cool your home without electricity. How do you do that? Well, you can reduce your cooling costs by 30% or more just by installing SunTech Solar Screens. Imagine that, lowering the temperature in one of those best rooms that you have, your sunroom, so that you can use it in the daytime when the sun's out because it's not hot, not blistering hot like it would be without SunTech solar screens. Look for their ads and commercials on television or visit solarscreensofreno.com. Tell them Peter sent you. With me in the studio today, I'm having a good time talking with three outstanding guests. Ms. Shell Hulbert is with us. She's a mortgage loan originator at Caliber Home Loans. Also with us, Sherry Hill. Sherry is the CEO of Sage International. Also with us in the studio today, we have a gentleman who is with the Nevada Governor's Office of Energy. He is also a candidate for the Washoe County School District. His name is Scott Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about your work, first of all, Scott, at the Governor's Office of Energy. Sure. Well, I've been with the Governor's Office of Energy for a couple of years now, and I think if you had to break down our mission, uh, we focus on two big things. One mm-hmm. of them is we help to get the big power plants built in Nevada. You know, Nevada is blessed with a lot of renewable energy resources. Mm-hmm. So solar power plants in the south, geothermal power plants in the rural areas, and our office does tax incentives and other things to help get those built. The other thing that we do is we help individual homeowners to weatherize their home and uh, make their home more energy efficient. It lowers their power bills, it takes power uh, away from the grid, it, it makes more renewable energy resources available to homeowners. So it's pretty interesting work. In Nevada, there's always something going on with energy, and yeah. uh, it's, it's busy for sure. Well, there was a lot of talk earlier this year about the solar industry. And I, I don't have solar on my condo, it's too small, right? But I know many families have made big investments to put solar on their rooftops. And it was a lot of joy because they were going to save money. They could actually sell energy back to the to the grid, essentially, at that point. That's what people were talking about, that they could basically have a net plus on their energy costs in the sense that they would use less than they would actually generate. But all of that changed earlier in the year. Since I'm on the tangent of this knowledge, why don't you share with our listeners what that's all about? Sure, so what happened was there's uh, something called the Public Utilities Commission of Nevada. And what the PUCN does is they they regulate NV Energy. And the PUCN has a mandate from the legislature that they have to ensure that people um, aren't subsidizing uh, other people in the state for energy usage. Mm-hmm. And so the PUCN saw that uh, people that had solar on their rooftops, they were receiving extra funds from people that did not have solar on their rooftops. Mm-hmm. And so the PUCN came down with their decision uh, basically with net metering. And what they did was they made it so that if you had solar panels on your roof, on your house rooftops, uh, your rates would go up and the amount of money that you would get from Envy Energy when you sell, sold extra energy back to the grid, that would go up as well. And it was a controversial decision. And uh, so what happened was the governor, he created a, a, this called the New Energy Industry Task Force, and that's what our office is in charge of. And this task force brought in experts from all over the state that are experts in energy and energy policy. And they've been talking about all these different energy issues, including the net metering PUCN decision. And uh, they're making recommendations to the governor that he can then take to the legislature next year and see if uh, maybe they're gonna re- reduce or uh, reverse some of those decisions that the PUCN made. Yeah, a lot of uh, publicity on that in, in just the last few weeks, in fact, that there's a new push to turn those 
decisions around and and give some money or some credits back to people that actually have solar on their rooftops, right? Right, and it's a national issue too. I mean, there's other states that are grappling with this as well. I think Nevada kind of stood out because we had such a strong solar energy industry. And when this decision came down, a lot of solar companies pulled their workers out of the state uh, and that really set off a lot of alarm bells. And so people said, let's do a timeout. Let's see what policies we can put forth in the future that would be good for the, the homeowners, good for people that don't have solar on the rooftops, good for NV Energy, and that's what this task force is debating right now. Uh, it's got to be a challenge dealing with NV Energy because, let's face it, we need them, but we don't necessarily want them. And so when you go with solar, you're kind of hoping to get away from that or get away from that dependency. And, and yet, I recently have seen commercials on television where people are saying that they don't want to subsidize people that have solar and they don't want to be paying higher rates just because they don't have solar. And I'm just curious, those commercials, I haven't really done the research, but I can almost bet they're coming from NV Energy. Well, right, you know, NV Energy, I mean, they, they do a lot of, they have a lot of good programs. They, they, they're they really into renewable energy, um, but at the same time, they have their business model that they want to protect and make sure that it is strong. And so it's kind of a give or take. You've got NV Energy on the one side that wants to ensure that they can produce and, and give power back to the grid to everyone that needs it. But then you have more and more companies and individuals that want to get off the grid. They want to be energy independent, whether it's solar on their rooftop, whether it's geothermal pumps under their house. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's kind of that give or take or what's, what are the best policies that can uh, ensure that both sides are able to do what they do. And, and I always think that the best policies tend to be in the middle. And hopefully that's what this task force and what the legislature will find in the years ahead is what's best for the, the state of Nevada. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. However, I know that uh, anytime you're working in politics or with energy, you do have to be somewhat on a fine line. Sherry Hill is with us as well. Sherry is with Sage International. Sherry, you're dealing with a lot of businesses, a lot of startups, a lot of people that want to keep their business rolling. Has the solar energy issue come up with any of your conversations recently as you're working with local Nevada-based companies? Not so much because a lot of that is going to affect more the commercial side of your investing in real estate on the commercial side. That's where you're going to tend to see it. Mm -hmm. I don't deal a lot with the homeowner because that's not a business. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to watch what happens when people just do things and then the domino effect of what comes after. So yeah, no kidding. Well, I'm curious to, to know well, the usage or the installation of solar, either residential or business-wise over the past year, I would suspect it had to have plummeted. Is that accurate? Oh yeah, I mean, I'd say in, in December, there were somewhere around 2,000 permits for people that wanted to put solar on their rooftops mm-hmm. that were kind of in process. And then after that decision, it's gone down to the low hundreds. Um, so you know, a lot wow. of people that maybe want to get solar on their rooftop, they're waiting to see how this all plays out. Does the PUCN decision get reversed? Does the legislature do other things to make it attractive again? And I think if, if that happens, then you'll start to see those permits increasing again. Interesting. It's, yeah. it's like talking out of both sides of your mouth here with, with this whole policy because the, the goal is is to become renewable. That was our goal, as I, I think, as we started this. We had the wind, we had the solar, and a lot of geothermal, and now it's, it's a disincentive. It's 
It's unfortunate. It's very odd. <laughs> it is a very odd thing, Michelle. I agree with you because on one hand, you're being encouraged to use renewable resources to burn less fossil fuels. And then on the other hand, suddenly you're getting penalized if you've got it because you were enticed to go to this new technology. And now those enticements are essentially taken away from you without much. There wasn't much notice on that either. That happened pretty quickly, didn't it, Scott? Fairly quickly. I mean, the PUCN, they had a, they had some testimony, a couple, they had several meetings over a period of a month or two where they took testimony from homeowners and NV Energy gave press presentations and they brought in other experts as well yeah. um, and it's perhaps those those meetings could have been better publicized mm-hmm. um, but we've we followed the, at the governor's office of energy we followed those meetings very closely and and there was always really good attendance so we kind of think that maybe people had a chance to, to voice their opinion um, and then the PUCN made their decision but you know this task force um, there whenever they meet it's public and people can can voice their opinion there and of course uh, as recommendations go forward to the legislature next year legislative meetings are also public and so people will have many opportunities to talk about what's important to them and what kind of policies they want to see going forward. We're talking with Scott Kelly. He's the public information officer for the Nevada Governor's Office of Energy. He's also a candidate for the Washoe County School Board, and we're going to talk about that candidacy later in the show. I have one more question before the break, and that is, does your department, in fact, get involved with the electric car industry to the sense that you're in charge of the battery charging stations and incentives to buy electric vehicles. Is that something you guys get involved with? Uh, we, we do get involved with it. Not as much as you would think. I mean, right now, electric vehicles and, and batteries for homes and stuff, that's stall, That's mostly at the private sector. Um, but what our office tries to do is look at ways that we can make it easier for people to, to build or to set things up here in the state. So a good example is we have something called the Nevada Electric Highway. It's an initiative that we did with NV Energy and with um, uh, Valley Electric Association. And so what we did was we took um, Highway 95, the, the main highway that connects Washoe County to Clark County, and we've been working with local businesses and different communities along the way to put in charging stations so that if you have an electric vehicle, you are pretty soon going to be able to try to drive your electric vehicle from Reno to Las Vegas, whereas that wasn't the case before. So we like to dabble in it, and I think EVs, as they're called, are going to be a bigger and bigger topic in the years ahead as mm-hmm. Nevada goes more into that industry. I know we want to talk about that and more about what's going on at the governor's office of energy, but in case anybody needs to tune out and they can't listen to the rest of the show, Scott, what's the best way to reach you in case anybody wants to chat some more? I think the best way is probably through my campaign website, which is www.kelleywcsd-a.com. And from there, they can reach out to me in many different ways. And we'll put that information on our website, nevadarealestateradio.com. That way people can find you easily. When we come back, we're also going to talk with Sherry Hill because we're talking about the commerce tax. Sherry, going to be ready to go with that? I am. You're ready right now, I can tell. You, I want to bust are, those myths. You are in the starting <laughs> blocks. We'll be right back. This is John Williamson from Dixon Realty in Truckee, California. Tune in to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla right here on KFOY 1060 AM. This is Michelle Holbert, mortgage loan originator at Caliber Home Loans. My mortgage license number is 184194. Our branch mortgage license number is 3723. Our address at Caliber Home Loans is 6530 South McCarran Boulevard, and that's Reno, Nevada, 89509. Our office telephone number is 775-284-1920. Our fax number is 855-321-321. 7576. You can reach me on the cell phone at 775-742-3559. My email address is michelle.holbert at caliberhomeloans.com. 
com. We are an equal housing lender. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. Make shade while the sun shines. SunTech Solar Screening, 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. This is Peter Padilla. I'm pleased to be with you today. Again, in my 11th year of broadcasting this show every week, enjoy the conversations and the contacts we make, helping people make those great decisions. I mean, there's so many things you can do wrong when you're talking about real estate, so you need to have the right pros in your corner. It's always a risk. Nothing is easy in this world, and even buying investment property can be a risk. But you have people working with you to make you successful. And one of those persons that you can contact anytime is Dave Washburn. Dave is a hard money lender at Socotra Capital. Now you're wondering, why would I need hard money? Well, imagine this. You found a great real estate property to buy. It's a rental. It's already cash flowing and you want to close your deal. You're pre-approved for a mortgage on investment property, but you know it's going to take 30 days, maybe even up to 45 days to close. What with appraisals, inspections, more appraisals, more inspections, maybe some repairs that might need to be done. If the seller needs money fast, they're going to be entertaining cash deals. And if you don't have the cash to close, well, you're out of the running. Well, that's where Dave Washburn at Socotra Capital comes in. His company, Socotra Capital, is specializing in hard money lending. That means basically private money lending and fast money lending. Sometimes in as quickly as two to three days, you can get the cash you need to close your real estate transaction and you won't lose that real estate property to somebody else that does have the cash. Long and the short of it is, if you need money fast to close a real estate transaction on investment property, I suggest you call Dave Washburn, Socotra Capital, 775-420-4990. Tell him Peter sent you. With me in the studio today, three guests talking about real estate and real estate for investors. Michelle Hulbert is with us. She's a mortgage loan originator at Caliber Home Loans. Hope you're doing well today, Michelle. I am doing fantastic, thank you. I always love the different people I get to meet on your show. Also with us in the studio, Scott Kelly. Scott is the PIO, Public Information Officer at the Nevada Governor's Office of Energy. He's also a candidate for the Washoe County School Board. Education is very important for us, Scott. I'm glad you're with us today to share a little bit of your insight and some of the activities that you all are doing at the governor's office. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sherry Hill is with us too. Sherry is the Wealth Protection Diva and the president and CEO of Sage International. Sherry, it's really uh, fortuitous that we have a representative from the governor's office of energy, governor's office of anything. He's at the governor's office because you and I have talked many times about the commerce tax in Nevada. Share with us your insight, share with our listeners basically what it is for those of us that have been living under a rock and why it's so important to businesses in Nevada. All right. Well, the commerce tax originated way back as the margins tax was defeated and then it came circling back around again as the Nevada commerce tax and like it or not, it is here. 
So my thing is, well, if it's here, now we got to figure out how to make sure that everyone stays in compliance, that you understand that it does affect every single business, real estate investor, sole proprietor, independent contractor, anybody generating revenue from business. The good news is that there's a threshold. So while it affects you, meaning that you do have to file a tax return, if you're under the $4 million threshold, no tax is due. Mm-hmm. If you're $4 million and $1 over the threshold, then there will be tax Taxes due. Taxes due, yeah. So I got I to say something, Sherry. I don't know who the candidate is. I know it's not you, Scott. But I saw a commercial on television, maybe in the last week or so, of a candidate running for a statewide office. And his whole pitch was about the commerce tax. Essentially, I think he was one of the individuals that helped start, launch, make the commerce tax what it is today. But what he said sounded really misleading to me because what he said was that only businesses that earn more than $4 million a year are affected by the commerce tax. And so he was essentially defending the commerce tax, saying if you earn less than $4 million at your business, you don't even have to worry about it. It doesn't affect you. That's it not, does that's, affect that's you. That's not true, is You it? still have to file. You it, have to it's file. It's a short form. Mm-hmm. You have to file to let the state know. Because remember what the state has to do, we're building a whole new division of government, and they have to collect data. Mm. In order to collect the data, they need to know who you are, the business name, your federal tax ID, your Nevada business ID, so that they start building this database to be able to collect, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does affect you because you still have to file by August 15th, whether you owe the tax or not. Now, that's another thing is file by August 15th. Don't most people do their taxes on a calendar basis? Right, right? but this is the state's fiscal year, which ends June 30th and then allows you to have until August 15th to file. Now, Mm. the good good news is that it's an online filing, so you don't have to necessarily fill out a bunch of forms. If you are under the $4 million threshold, you got to fill in about six boxes, press the submit button, and away you go. If you're over the $4 million, yes, it does get more complicated. It does affect you because you have to demonstrate and lay out all your financials to show why you are at that threshold and do owe the tax. So, Sherry, what's the trigger for somebody to be notified to file that? We all know that we have to file our taxes by April 15th, but what's the trigger since Nevada doesn't have a state income tax and we know that we've never had to do that? Who tells us that we have to do this? Where does that information come from? So if we're somebody that doesn't pay attention, how do we know that? So the Nevada Department of Taxation is supposed to be sending everybody a welcome letter. And on that welcome letter is your (laughs) access code to go online and start to complete the data collection side. And then once you have that, then you can be able to file the return. It's like every other division in the state they don't send out reminders they don't send postcards you have to know yeah and so you have to task yourself to remind yourself that you're going to have to file by august 15th wow i can see this first year being an interesting it's going to be crazy and they are (laughs) allowing up until february for those that owe the tax a little bit of a grace period but my thing is you might as well get used to it. You might as well do it and just make sure that annually you're in compliance. So if you have, let's say you don't own technically a business, but you own three or four rental properties, is that... Yes, you that, still are required okay. to file. So okay. it affects 
every single person that's generating any kind of business revenue within the state. So if I own rentals in California, I am not subject to the tax here in Nevada, unlike California that says if I own rentals in Nevada, I still own California tax, (laughs) right? So they did allow for that. If I am a construction company and I go do a bunch of work in Utah and generate revenue in Utah, that amount of revenue is not included in what is my Nevada-based revenue. So there is some good news with the tax as far as they're not trying to tax everything you do. The key is, though, the state is not really out there in a PR campaign giving awareness to everybody in the state. And so I've been creating a lot of awareness through my website, through notifying all of my clients that have Nevada-based entities, and of course, on the radio show, et cetera. And what's, who's the final recipient of this tax? Where, where does it help us? Where are we going to see the... So the, once the Nevada Department of Taxation collects the tax, it is earmarked supposedly for education. Now, this is where it gets a little confusing because a lot of people thought, well, we implemented the commerce tax and it's all going to go to education. And then we turn around and now we've got, and I'll let Scott address this a little more, our WC1, which is the capital improvement tax that they want to get passed this November. Well, you know, before we we talk about the WC1, doesn't it seem like it would have been easier if the commerce tax was created so that the proceeds would benefit the solar industry? That way we wouldn't have the solar issue with the... Well, but education, you know, no one is going to dispute that we need help with funding for education, Mm -hmm. right? So the confusion was that, okay, we've passed the commerce tax, we've solved the education budget, and then here comes another request for an increase in tax. But Mm -hmm. that affects Washoe County, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And remember, when we're solving education, we're solving education for the entire state, the rurals, Clark County, Washoe County, et cetera. Mm Uh, We want to talk about the education process in Nevada, and Scott Kelly is with us today from the Governor's Office of Energy, but Scott is also a candidate for the Washoe County School District. Scott, I know you've got a great perspective on the things that Sherry has been talking about, but we do have to take a quick break, so can you hold that thought for about two minutes? I will. Okay. And Sherry, we're going to continue with you, too, because you bring up some great points when it comes to the commerce tax and really how it's affecting everybody that lives in the state of Nevada. Well, I just want to add... If somebody wants to learn, really, I've created a simplified set of instructions and clarification around the commerce tax, go to my website, sageintl.com. Sageintl.com. We'll put that up on the website too, Sherry, and we'll continue our conversation on Nevada Real Estate Radio after this message. Next week on Nevada Real Estate Radio, I have two outstanding guests. First of all, Ryan Frey will be with us. Ryan is the owner of a real estate investment company called We Buy Houses ASAP. Ryan is also a member of the Reno Real Estate Investors Club, and he's doing a ton of deals. And he's going to tell us how he's getting these deals done and what it takes to be a successful real estate investor in northern Nevada. Ryan Frey, he's in the trenches doing deals every day. You don't want to miss it. 
Tune in next week. It's going to be a hot one today. The neighbors are getting their swimming pool ready. Let's go to Pool Supply Outlet. Everything in the store is super low priced. We need diving rings and some pool toys so I can be king of the pool. Pool Supply Outlet also has robotic pool cleaners. So we can spend more time enjoying the pool. And your koi pond. Yes, they're right next door to Oasis Pond Maintenance and Supply. Pool Supply Outlet, 881 Glendale Avenue in Sparks. Pool Supply Outlet, Reno.com. Suntec Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. Suntec Solar Screen proudly features Pfeiffer screening products. Make shade while the sun shines. SunTech Solar Screening 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. You're listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio. I'm glad you tuned into our show today. My name is Peter Padilla and I enjoy being here every week. When you're looking to buy a home or investment property, you need to make sure you're dealing with a pro that's got all the knowledge and background that will help you get the best deal. I recommend that you talk to Diane Heaton. Diane is a realtor at Remax Realty Affiliates. She's a certified residential specialist, but she can help you with almost any kind of real estate transaction, including real estate for investment. You can't go wrong if you're dealing with the pros at Remax Realty Affiliates and Diane Heaton. If you want to get in touch with her, give her a call anytime, 775-750-2409, and we'll put all of Diane Heaton's contact information on our website, nevadarealestateradio.com. In the studio with me, I have three guests joining me today. Michelle Hulbert is with us from Caliber Home Loans. Michelle, I hope you are helping a lot of people get into homes this spring and summer. Yeah, it's been very busy, Peter. Um, the market is is doing well right now, uh, very competitive, mm-hmm. um, but overall, we're seeing values go up. People are still looking at home ownership as a great way to build wealth and security. They, I feel good about that. They do, and a lot of investors still buying too. Yeah. They're looking at it as, as a chance to get long-term income from their rental properties. I love uh, the idea of buying property in northern Nevada, especially in Reno, because you look what happened in the Bay Area, in other parts of the country. It has just gone wild over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years, and I think Reno is in a great position to see some substantial value growth. I do too. Also with us in the studio today, Sherry Hill. Sherry is the CEO, President of Sage International. Sherry, I really enjoy listening to your radio show. Let our listeners know what you talk about on the Sherry Hill radio show. Well, I talk about business because I'm all about profitable business. And so I bring in experts and just brilliant people that have something unique to share about how you can be more successful in starting or growing an existing business. You bet. I know you've helped a lot of folks out and you've got tons of fans. I know every time I see you out about people come up to you and say, oh, Sherry, 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 they're so excited to see you because they... They don't get to see you that often, but they hear you on the radio show. So I bet that's a great outlet for you to communicate with your your listeners. Right. I'm all about education. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great segue into Scott. And Scott Kelly is with us in the studio as well. Scott is the public information officer at the Governor's Office of Energy here in Nevada. He's also a candidate for the Washoe County School Board. Scott, don't you have enough to do at the Governor's Office that you have to take this on as well? Well, you know, I, I have plenty of to do at the Governor's <laughs> Office, but I have that love of public service. I mean, yes. I served in the military for 11 years. I see that, yes. And uh, mm-hmm. because of that, I, I love to get back to the 
the community and kind of seeing what's happened at the school board over the last few years and at Washoe County School District and having a son that's about to enter first grade, it motivated me to want to get back in there and try to get the ship in the right direction again. Yeah, I was looking at your resume and I see that you were a paratrooper in the U.S. Army. You jumped out of airplanes? Yeah, I jumped out Ooh. of perfectly good airplanes and <laughs> I tell people if I could be a paratrooper and, and go to war and, and get through all that successfully, then I can jump into the school board and, and deal with that. You know, that's a good way to look at it because some of those little children, my gosh, you know, you got to keep on keep an eye on them. <laughs> I think that's exciting that you've yep. done that paratrooping because, I mean, that's there's a risk that you're taking there every time you jump. And, uh, you know, you've accepted a lot of big challenges and you're taking on another challenge now running for the Washoe County School Board. So tell us about that position and why that's so important to you. Yeah, so the school board, um, it's very important because the Washoe County School District, it's the biggest employer in Northern Nevada, um, over almost 8,000 employees, and it's got the biggest budget out of all the local governments. And of course, the job of all these employees and the, and the funding for all this goes into educating 64,000 students, mm-hmm. uh, basically our youth and our future leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that what the school board does is the school board working with the superintendent uh, sets the policies and procedures for the school district and takes the budget and allocates resources based on what the needs are. It could be programs, it could be uh, schools and uh, transportation and anti-bullying initiatives and all these different things. And the school board is what sets that tone. And then again, working with the superintendent who is the CEO of the school district, uh, hopefully leads it into a good direction so that people feel good about their schools and feel good about their kids' educations. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the mothers really run the household. Moms are in charge of so much in America and they're paramount when it comes to being concerned about education for their children. We have two mothers in the studio today, Michelle Hulbert and Sherry Hill. So Michelle, tell us about your kids. You got kids in school right now. I do. How old are they? What grades are more I have um, one that is just finishing up their sophomore year in high school. Yeah. And he actually goes to a private school, a private mm-hmm. Catholic school. Mm-hmm. But I had my kids were educated through middle school mm-hmm. in the Washoe County School District system. Yeah. So being aware of and knowing that we have good people on our school board has to be a really important thing for you. I mean, especially when you look back at the last couple of years of activities on the school board. It has been um, disenchanting to see what's happened over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years because these are people that are supposed to be the advocates for children Mm -hmm. and for teachers. Role models. Role models, right? And they have not acted accordingly and in the best interest of our community and our community's tight budget. And that's... I think that is unfortunate that we're having to deal with the aftermath of that. When you're talking about education, these are supposed to be some of the smartest people in the world, right, that are in charge of education because it is about education. And included in the school board, the meetings is an attorney that's part of the school board. And then you find out that they've made mistakes that are costing more money. We need that money to educate our kids. And yet it seems like we're paying fines and just spending the money in ways that shouldn't be spent. We and, need and to be, huge, huge they need to look at their money like they would look at their own, you know, household dime. Yeah, household budget. You have to yeah. be, you have to be aware of every penny because it's so valuable. And mm. we have a black eye in many cases when I, I, I talk to people from all over the country that come to Nevada and unfortunately, they look at the statistics on our school district and, you know, and it's not, it, it's an average, yes, but 
it's suspect when you have people that want to relocate their businesses mm-hmm. and their families here. When the tide goes down, all the ships go down. That, we see who's naked, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have another mother in the studio, Sherry Hill. Sherry, the president and CEO of Sage International. Sherry, you have a child in the Washoe County School District, uh, school district system as well. Well, she's 21. She's at UNR full time. So she so. made it. She made it through the Washoe County School <laughs> yes. District. Yes, but I'll tell you what. As a uh, senior in high school, she I really it was a struggle to get her to go to school. Now she is a 4.0 grade point average, finished top two percent in the nation in girls in math. This is someone you want to foster through education. And she was so disappointed, so disenchanted, and unmotivated to even want to get her high school diploma. And this is a huge systemic problem, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. about what is going on in the school district today. All they do is teach. Unfortunately, the teachers have no freedom to really teach these kids. It's to the test. And hopefully, Scott, this is something you're going to walk into the, the school board with that we need to adapt the way that we're teaching kids today. It's not the old agrarian of they're going to be working on assembly lines. Or a farm. Right. Right. And so hopefully there's some insight and some innovation and creativity that really supports teachers to teach kids the way that they want to learn today. So that was hugely disappointing for me to really watch her struggle. I mean, this is a brilliant kid, and I'm not just saying that because she's mine, but she really loves math and she wants to be a math teacher and right now she's looking at it is this a school district that i would want to jump into and be a teacher in a couple of softballs for you scott kelly <laughs> well it's okay you know I, I hear these stories from parents uh, in the studio and i hear them from parents all over the district that i'm running for and uh, yeah there's some big systemic issues that are going on at the school district from the school board making costly decisions to uh, teachers having to spend more of their time teaching to test and having to deal with administrative things coming from the top-heavy school district, and these are all the kind of issues that brought me to, to run for the school board, and if elected, that uh, we're going to have to clean up. Now, the school district, I mean, it's it's a complicated organization for sure, and there's a lot of good things that are happening at the school district, but there's also many things that need to be to be solved and improved on. Um, now, we had talked about the commerce tax in, in an earlier segment, and I wanted to tell people a little bit of difference between the commerce tax and then WC1, which is the, uh, the, the sales tax increase that's being talked about for capital projects. So, the commerce tax that money is going to go towards operations. So everything that's happening inside the school building. So you're talking about programs, anti-bullying initiatives, teachers, teacher salaries, special education, all these things that are part of education inside the schools. That's where that money goes to. But none of that money goes to the actual school buildings themselves. And that's where WC1 comes into. Now, the legislature basically empowered a group of Washoe County experts and business, you know, business experts and political leaders to look at all the different options and funding mechanisms that Washoe County School District could have in order to take care of their capital projects needs because other school districts in Nevada have four or five sources of revenue. Washoe County School District has only had one for many, many years and that was tied to property taxes. And so yeah, when property values plummeted during the recession, all of a sudden, there wasn't enough money to bond against to generate the funds that the school district needed to renovate school buildings. And then now that the school population is starting to increase as people move back to Nevada, it's not the property values aren't going up quick enough in order to fund the new schools that are needed. Mm. So that's what WC1 comes in. So this committee said out of all the different revenues that are out there that we can look at, sales tax is the only one that's broad enough that could generate enough money to build the dozen or more schools 
that are needed and to renovate the 90 schools that we already have, many of which are 40 or 50 years old. Mm. Uh, so um, I encourage people to definitely look at WC1 as an investment in the community, but it's tough because it's you had the commerce tax that was passed two years ago. Now all of a sudden there's this new tax being proposed, but again, they're for separate things. Mm-hmm. And as a candidate, you know, I've been to many, many schools. In fact, right before coming here today, I was at Donner Springs Elementary School to, to visit teachers and visit the principal. And there are so many schools out there that are so overcrowded. And it's just a shame to see 35 kids in a, in a classroom and to see uh, music programs that are having to be done in the hallways because there just isn't enough room. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, WC1, if it passed, it would certainly take care of all that. People would have to look at it as an investment in the community and not just as a, as a tax. How is it presented to us then? You said in a form of a sales tax. So instead of a, let's say a 7.75 sales tax, it's an 8.25. Is that how it? Right. It's, okay. a, it's a point. It's a half a percent increase in sales tax. Okay. And uh, the, the committee that deci- ultimately decided this did so because it's not just one industry or one type of business, but it's also tourists. I mean, you think about all the tourists that come into Washoe County and they're going to pay a little bit into it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a community solution to a community problem. And, uh, and I don't know the schools that would be built in other parts of the county yet, but I do know that in my district A, which is Southern Reno, Incline Village and Washoe Valley, uh, which has tremendous overcrowding issues. WC1, if it passed, it would build a new middle school in the Arrow Creek area, which would then relieve overcrowding at uh, DePoli Middle School and at Pine Middle School. And it would build a new elementary school in the Double Diamond area, which would then relieve overcrowding in Brown Elementary School and uh, Double Diamond Elementary School. And then it would also expand Damani Ranch uh, High School, which would relieve overcrowding there and also in other high schools nearby. So. Well, it sounds like something that we we need to be proponents of, I think, because it's not going to happen any other way. Well, I like that it's sales tax yeah. because it affects everybody. Right. And that makes total sense to me. Versus so. being a property tax or, you know, what we've run into in the past is being a big draw for Californian retirees. Mm-hmm. A lot of these folks didn't want to vote for any increases that affected their property taxes because right. they were they didn't have kids in school. Right. Well, that's hurt us. Right. Well, they didn't want it in California. And then they come to Nevada thinking there's no taxes here. But, you know, if you want uh, services, if you want facilities, if you want homes, you've got you've to support the populace. And education is critical. Right. And I've heard that from a lot of people that say, well, my kids aren't in the school system anymore. Why should I pay this? But what I like to remind them is that, you know, for instance, I haven't had to call the police in many, many years, but I pay taxes to have a good police department. I'm not a senior citizen. I'm 39 years old. But I pay taxes to fund senior citizen programs because these are all things that are important for us as a culture and as a society. Mm -hmm. And so I remind people that having a good school system, it's good for our society. And having good schools or brand new schools increases property values more than almost anything else because it's good for the neighborhoods that your houses are in. Yeah. So if a new school is being built down the street from where I just bought a home, the chances are it's going to be a good neighborhood down the road. It's going to have some value to it with a new school. So I can see the benefits to the homeowners there. But the challenges are are, quite frankly, Scott, uh, the mishmash of people that are on the school board now that have been on the last two years, it has been an embarrassment, what we read in the paper and all the things that are going on. It's, it's, it's outrageous. And so many times, I don't even want to look at what happened at the last school board meeting. So I'm hopeful that you and people like you will start to uh, to become what is now the Washoe County School District so that we can have some real pros in there that really have great ideas, a great vision, and can make our whole community better with great education. So if somebody if somebody wants to learn more about you and your candidacy for Washoe County School District, 
What's the best way? Yeah, so the best way is to go to my website, which I talk about my ideas for the school district, some of the big issues, and what I'm doing as a candidate to learn about those issues. And that would be www.kelleywcsd-a.com. So kellywcsd-a.com. And uh, from there, they can reach out to me via social media. You know, I'm very active on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Pinterest, and Instagram. And they can email me, or they could call me. Um, and I'd love to hear from them. And Scott, we run out of time on our show, but we have so much more to chat with you about. I hope you'll think about coming back. I'd love to come back if if you have me. I will have you. You bet. Thanks. And Michelle Holbert, it's been great to have you on the show, too. Great insight, great questions, and I want to thank you again for being here. Thanks. I really enjoyed it once again. You bet. I'll put your contact information on our website, too, along with Sherry Hills. And Sherry, it's great to have you here as well. You don't make an appearance on our show too often, but when you come, you've got some great insights. Well, thank you for inviting me, and always a pleasure to interact with uh, these fabulous guests. Yes, you know it. So we will uh, be looking forward to chatting with you more down the road. And Scott, the election is coming up, so wish you great success. Yeah, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, My name is Peter Padilla. I'm your host on Nevada Real Estate Radio. I've got all the contact information that's Scott mentioned Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. I'm also on a CB, and uh, you can reach me by mail. Use a stamp. I love all that. Post-it note. Post-it note, yes. All that good stuff. Anyway, we enjoy doing our radio show. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. We're on the air again next week, same time. So tell your friends and family to join us, too. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to peter at nevadarealestateradio.com. So, you're thinking about buying investment real estate. Getting the right mortgage is a critical part of your decision. This is Lou Carr, branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be the best investment purchase you'll ever make. How do you go about it? First, get pre-approved with a mortgage lender like Summit Funding. Then, find the right property at the right price. Summit Funding is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit summitfunding.net slash L-C-A-R-R. That's S-U-M-M-I-T-F-U-N-D-I-N-G dot net forward slash L-C-A-R. Or call 775-626-0775 for personal service. This is Lou Carr from Summit Funding, NMLS number 258750, NMLS number 3199, and NMLS number 1042857. Thank you. Summit Funding Incorporated is located at 5931 Los Altos Parkway, Suite 105, Sparks, Nevada, 89436.